0: Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Well, good morning. I got into the elevator this morning, and one of you had your clip on your hat, and I was so excited. Uh, And I'm praying that wherever you put it, God would keep speaking to you about what we talked about last night and what we activated um, in the natural. And so I'm really grateful um, for what God is doing this weekend. I was talking to some uh, leadership earlier this morning and um, just how hungry you are for the Lord and for the things of the Lord. And that really makes. Uh, my job and the worship team's job a lot easier, doesn't it, when people are seeking the heart of God and so, so grateful for you. Uh, I know this weekend will be um, something that you can take with you um, into your everyday normal life. And so we've been talking about being real, true followers of Jesus. And this morning, I just want to have some really practical conversation. If we've discussed in the last two sessions the why, um, this morning is the how, okay? How do we do this? How do we live out this wherever, whenever, whatever? Um, I read a book recently called An Altar Call for Evangelical America, by an author named Russell Moore. And he had something that really left me thinking. I'm gonna read you the quote today. It says, we see now young evangelicals walking away from evangelicalism, not because they do not believe what the church teaches, but because they believe the church itself does not believe what the church teaches. Authenticity has never been more important It's really hard to um, identify with someone when they're not buying what they're selling, right? The effectiveness of our efforts to share the gospel with people has been largely affected by Christ followers who are not willing to do the things they say that they believe. In 2 Timothy 2, Paul, a man who authored most of the New Testament, is writing uh, this letter to his young protege, Timothy. And he's encouraging him to be strong in the face of difficult times to come. That even under persecution, Paul reminds Timothy, don't stop living an authentic, faithful life. We talked the last two nights about believing, about giving our lives to Jesus in a committed way, and I want to tell you, believing is so vital, it is so important, but doing is equally important. We talked about living our lives not just in private faith, but in public faith. So here's the deal, authentic, faithful lives are what actually pushes the gospel forward. And Paul wants Timothy to know that God can use him. If he will commit to living an authentically faithful life, if he will be available to God, God will use him. And I'm going to read this passage uh, this morning that calls us higher. It calls us to everyday living, not just retreat weekends. Not just high moments, not when just when this amazing worship team is here to give you a boost or, or when your friends are telling you encouraging things, but all of the commitments you have made this weekend, you must move them into Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, or they just really don't count very much. Your commitment to Christ cannot weaken under the pressures and the struggles of life. So let's read 2 Timothy 2. Uh, This is just part of the letter, 14 through 15. It says, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, And who correctly handles the word of truth. If we're gonna be used by God, we must become approved workers. Workers who are not ashamed because we correctly handle the word of truth. I think this this phrase, approved workers, it speaks to um, like a craftsman who's gifted and dedicated to being excellent at their work, to be an excellent disciple if you think about it, we're always identifying approved workers all the time in our everyday life. We ask each other, who does your hair? Are they good? Uh, 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 Do do you trust them? Because I like don't want to go anywhere to get my hair colored unless I know they're good, right? Or who's your mechanic? Are they honest? Are they reliable? What airline do you travel the most? How's the customer service? What professor is the least difficult? We're trying to figure out who are the approved workers? Who are the ones that we already know about? Workers that do their job with excellence and have the knowledge base of the issues at hand. Workers who take pride in what they're doing and deliver what they promise. So with these examples in mind, what makes someone an approved worker for God? Well, there's a lot of things, but in 1 Timothy 2.15, there's one thing I want to talk about this morning. And in 1 Timothy 2.15, we see an approved worker of God correctly handles the word of truth. In the King James translation, the phrase reads, to rightly divide. The original Greek word means to cut straight. It was an engineering term used to convey a clear or unobstructed path. You know, uh, there are some tasks that you, if you don't rightly divide, if you don't cut it straight, uh, there's tragic results. I think of like a surgeon. I don't want my surgeon being like, oh, that's close enough. <laughs> you know, or I, whoops. You know, you don't want your, people like that not having the ability to cut straight. And the word of God must be divided rightly. Because it is our source of life. It's our compass. It's our guide. The light into our path, the lamp into our feet. And in order for it to be those things, we need to understand it correctly. Let me tell you, it takes time and discipline to understand the Bible. I love like calendars that have verses on them and shirts and like all those things. But can I tell you that when you just cherry pick something out of there, you probably don't understand it. It takes time. It takes discipline that we often don't give as believers. Many of us, our theology comes from uh, Christian memes. (laughs) And we're like, oh, that one's so good. Yes, hallelujah. And what it really is talking about is something so different and perhaps not even the same thing. When we don't put the effort to divide God's word rightly, listen. It can actually be tragic for our faith because we can stop doing what we believe. A former president of Harvard once said this, If you think education is expensive, try ignorance. And there is nothing more true about this than God's word. The passage in 2 Timothy and many other scriptures in the New Testament uh, give us instructions on how to rightly handle the word of truth so we can use by God. We cannot neglect this. We can't surrender our lives to God in a moment, in a moment at the altar, uh, in a moment with a clothespin. We can't have that moment and then neglect walking out the actual journey with him. It's not a one-time decision. It's a daily decision. And as this scripture says, it's work. Listen, it's work. You made some decisions this weekend with your head. You made some decisions with your heart. And now you need to make these decisions with your hands. You need to go back to wherever you came from and you need to work for these decisions that you made this weekend. In First Corinthians 15, Paul says it this way, he says, I die daily, I die daily. And every morning by the grace of Jesus, you are invited to surrender to his ways and his plans. Every day we crawl back up on the altar and we die to ourselves so we can follow Jesus. I would um, encourage you to ask someone that has been following Jesus for a lot of their life, And they will tell you, it does not get easier to follow Jesus. It just gets easier to crawl back up on the altar every day and surrender. Because you know that you'll just fail and fail and fail if you don't come and give your life before the Lord. I heard it said this way once. I hope this maybe sticks in your mind. Imagine your life as a $100 bill. There it is. Or a $100 Visa gift card, as we had this morning. And I think most of us think of surrendering our life to Jesus as like one big moment where we hand over our $100 bill and we say, this is my life, you can have it, you can do whatever you want with it, use it, take it. And maybe you did that this weekend and you had this moment with the Lord and I hope that you never forget that. But instead of thinking of your life as one $100 bill that you give to God and that's the end of it and then he takes it and makes something beautiful out of it. It's more like God accepts the $100 bill and he says, thank you, that's mine. But I don't want it all in one lump sum. I want you to cash it in for pennies and I want you to give me one penny every day. Every day that you walk this earth, I want you to come and give me one penny for the rest of your days for a daily surrender. So how do we become approved workers How do we live out the call of God on our lives? Well, there's a few things that I think we can pull from this passage. And the first one is this, study diligently. Study diligently. We see in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, do your best to become an approved worker. We are to give constant effort to the task of understanding and applying God's word. Let's be honest. We are often haphazard and lazy rather than diligent in our approach to God's word. We fit it in where we can. Um, after we get all our studying done for the week, we, we, we see if we can maybe read a little bit before we go to bed. Can you say you're giving your best to God's word? Like your very best it's true, there are things in the scripture that are difficult. That's, that's so true. But we have to be diligent to find the truth and handle it correctly. The more difficult the idea, the more diligent we must become. To be an approved worker means that we cannot settle on unbiblical conclusions. I think one key to being diligent in God's word is to remember uh, and keep the urgency in front of us. Say the word urgency to the person next to you. Urgency. All right. Um, I thought of this moment. I, I I told you in my breakout session, we were talking about how we hear from the Lord, and I was sharing how the Lord gives me pictures. So I was recently on a flight, um, and uh, I was the emergency instructions were happening, and I was kind of looking around at I don't know, what what people were doing. And while the crew was giving the instructions, you know, they say like, Here's your life vest. You can blow into it if you crash in the water, which is not going to help. Okay, I just want to tell you. But it's like this mental thing in my health. And and your little oxygen thing is going to come down. And in, in an emergency landing, you know, do this or whatever. So I'm, you know, sending my last text messages before I have to switch to airplane mode, trying to get that all set. The guy next to me was playing Candy Crush. The woman in front of me had her earphones in. She's listening to podcasts. Another person was like staring out the window. And I'm sure we were all thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've heard this before. Hurry up. We want to get going. Enough with the boring instructions. And I had this moment where I thought, suppose when we were in the air, the pilot came on the intercom and said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're having, you know, engine trouble and we're going to have to depressurize the cabin. We're going to have to make an emergency landing. The crew is going to explain how to use your oxygen mask and your little blow up thing and all that stuff. Nobody would be crushing candy then. Okay. That would not be what you would be doing. You would be listening. You would be trying to epically hear, what is it do I actually do with all of these things? You would be motivated to pay attention because it's urgent. We're about to crash into a mountain. I need to know how to best survive. We need that survival guide or whatever from the other night. Here's something we need to remember about about God's word. And I love uh, Josh's wisdom about how the kingdom is already here and not yet. But here's the thing. We live in the presence of God. This is God's kingdom. But someday soon, you and I will give an account to him. We will stand before a holy God. And the scripture says we will be held accountable for every word we spoke and every word we didn't. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15 talks about this when it says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold and silver and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, The builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. The day is coming for each of us that God's word alone contains his wisdom on how to live a life that pleases him. God's word alone contains wisdom to a path of righteousness and hope. God's word alone helps us know him, really, really know him. And God's word alone makes us an approved worker. Sense my urgency here. It's time. The plane is going down, okay? You got to know the instructions. And they're all right here. And so we need to study diligently. We need to do our best So that we can live out the call of God on our lives. And we can stand before Him saying, We built on gold and silver and not on wood or hay or straw that burns up. All right, let's look uh, secondly into the book of James for this point. Um, In order to be an approved worker, we need to humbly accept it. James one twenty one says this, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. What does it mean to humbly submit to God's word? Well, I think there's a simple test that will tell you how you're doing with this. Ask yourself this question. What happens when the Bible and I disagree? This will tell you a lot. Humility says, I'm seeing this one way, but God's never wrong. So I'll change my mind. I'll bring my behavior into line with the truth of the scripture. Arrogance or pride or disobedience says, well, on this one, I think I'm going to do my own thing because that's inconvenient. That costs too much. That's not what everyone else is doing. When the gospel says, forgive your enemy, and you say, surely he doesn't mean that enemy, though, (laughs) like everybody but them, everybody but this person, everybody but this political party, everybody but this bad leader, everybody but this, you are not submitting to the word of God. When the gospel says, take part in not a hint of immorality, and you just look at porn every once in a while, or you just spend the night with your boyfriend or girlfriend because that's more convenient, you're not submitting humbly to the Word of God. There could be times when you disagree with the Bible. There will be in your walk with Jesus. But your job as a disciple of Christ is to set aside your own understanding and submit to the Bible's teaching. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. And he will make your paths straight. This is what wherever, whenever, and whatever means right here. This is the how to follow Jesus wherever, whenever, and whatever. We have to humbly submit to the word of God that has been planted in us. Um, How many of you as a kid, as an elementary school, kid or maybe you have a kid or you work with kids, you were handed like a styrofoam cup with some dirt in it and you planted the seed. Anybody have that? Wave at me if you don't. Okay. You planted the seed and uh, you watered it every day and you'd run over to the windowsill, right? And you would see what would happen and you'd show up at school and you'd run over to the windowsill and you'd look at the cup and you'd be like, it's growing. Like, look, there's a bud. Do you remember this moment? Like, these were like the most great childhood memories and it's happening It's going to be a flower. It's going to be a pumpkin. I remember one year, um, my, my younger brother came home with his cup and he said, it's going to be a monkey. I don't know where he got that, but whatever. And God says in James 1, I want to do that in your soul with my word. Listen, I want to plant it in your soul, right in the center of your life, your existence, your identity. And then you're going to grow. And you're going to be fruitful and your life is going to change by the power of my love and the power of my word. And just imagine God running over to the windowsill every day with excitement to watch how the implanted word of God is growing in you. And he's watching with this anticipation. But in order for the word of God to grow in you, you have to accept it. You can't argue with it. You can't twist it. You can't conform it. You have to humbly accept it submit it and you can watch it grow all right lastly to become an approved worker we have to partner with the Holy Spirit let's look in John for this as well it says uh John fourteen twenty six. but the advocate the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you Jesus, he promises that the Holy Spirit will help the disciples remember the truth of what Jesus said. He did this so the disciples could record accurately the scripture, right? It was for his benefit. It was for our benefit. But the Spirit still reminds God's people about his word and makes it come alive to us. His role is to highlight the truth. It's really easy to listen to yourself or other people, Uh, than the truth of God's word. You have to intentionally identify the truth and hang on to it. And quite honestly, sometimes you have to hang on to it for dear life. (laughs) You have to cling to that and reject all the other voices trying to tell you otherwise. I want you to know, so that you're not surprised, is that the things that you came up and and traded last night, the black clothespins that you traded, um, probably, sometimes the Lord delivers you in a moment. But probably what will happen is that's going to come up again. And you're going to be tempted by that thing, whether that those are thoughts that are in your mind or um, situations where you have to make a different decision or, or self-image things. And those things are going to come in your mind. And when that happens, listen, listen, when that happens, you're going to have to work, okay? You're going to have to be a worker, And you're going to have to find accountability with someone and say, listen, the truth of God's word is that I traded this out for resurrection and I need you to help me hear the truth right now. And you're going to have to write that scripture in places that you're going to see it. And you're going to have to put your nose into God's word until you believe what he says, until you do what he says, what you believe that he says. Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit wants you to know the truth. The Holy Spirit wants you to live in truth. But you have to work. You have to be an approved worker. And I would encourage you often to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak truth to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to you. That his voice would be the loudest in your life. Ask him, am I deceived by anything? Am I thinking wrongly about anything? Because you know when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. That's the definition of deception. And so you have to say to the Lord, show me where it is in my life that I'm confused. What place am I living that I want you to tell me the truth? Am I believing any lies? And Lord, if I am, help the truth come in and break them from me. Do you know a lie only has power if you believe it? A lie only has power if you believe it. The Holy Spirit of God can speak directly to your mind. He doesn't need to speak in an audible voice. He doesn't need to go through your ears. He can go right to your mind. That's part of the supernatural experience of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit brings God's truth to mind, he is supposed to remind you of the truth. Okay, so if he's reminding you of the truth, there's got to be something in there for him to remind you of. Do you see what I'm saying? So you've got to fill your mind with the word of God. So then at the moment you need it, God can say, remember, remember right here, right here. You read this before someone. So you, you heard a sermon about this before. Here's the truth. And that's going to come out inside of you. When you read and study and fill your mind with God's word, you're like storing truth in your mind. When you get involved in a group and you study God's word together and you discuss it and you contemplate it, then the Holy Spirit can bring it to mind at just the right time. That's why community and groups are so important. That's why worship together is important. But listen, this is why it's important. It's because when you get alone, the Spirit of God can bring that truth back to you. Worship and studying together is actually more important for the times that when you're alone than the times when you're together. Because then you can say, okay, no, I don't want any hint of immorality. I'm going to make this choice right now when I'm all alone. Because I just heard the word of God and now it's coming back to me in those moments. What happens when we believe the Holy Spirit, when he tells us the truth? John 8.32 tells us this. Then you will know the truth and the truth will, read those last three words with me, set you free. Who wants to be free today? Say hallelujah right now if you want to be free. Say hallelujah if you want your friends to be free, if you want your students to be free, if you want your campus to be free, right? So we have to partner with the Holy Spirit in order for him to tell us the truth so that we can be set free. Okay, as a recap, study diligently. Study diligently. Get curious Read something in the Bible that you don't understand. It might be like four words and you just stop right there and figure it out. It's going to take you a long time. You're going to have to read commentary sometimes. You're going to have to ask your pastor. You're going to have to do more than ask Instagram what it means. (laughs) But I want to tell you that when you study diligently and you do your best, the fruit of your life will grow and it will be noticeable. Humbly accept the word of God. We we need to quit saying, I don't agree with this or I don't understand it, so I'm not gonna do it. We might not understand everything on this side of heaven, I don't know, but God is God and this is what he said. And we have to take it. If we believe, if we're saying, "I'll I'll go wherever, whenever, and whatever, that's what it takes. And thirdly, partner with the Holy Spirit. And as we do this, We will be approved workers and God will use us in significant and instrumental ways. He wants to use you. He wants to use you in every season. He wants to use you in every place you live and every place that you go. So here's how we're gonna end the weekend. Um, The worship team's gonna come back. And um, if you follow Jesus... If you're committed to Jesus in a, a, not a casual way, but a devoted way, wherever you go, you've been sent there by ascending God. I understand that some of you have been called to missions this weekend, and that is amazing to me. I understand that some of you are called to ministry this weekend, and that is amazing to me. But I want you to hear me right now today. Maybe you have been sent just back home. And wherever you are, you've been sent there by God. Don't wait to start serving God until you get somewhere else. Right now. It's a right now decision. It's a wherever, whenever, and whatever starting now decision. And I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from a, a, a grandiose call from God. I believe that God is doing that to you this weekend. But here's what I want to tell you. First, you become a disciple of Christ. And then Jesus gives you the mandate in Matthew to go and make disciples wherever you are. And in Acts, it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. And the mandate of this weekend is to fully surrender to God who deserves all the glory and honor and praise, and then go and do what you say you believe. Sharing the good news of Jesus to all who will hear. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xatuva.com.